Well, good morning, New Hope. Glad that you're here this morning. Welcome, and also welcome to those who are chiming in on the live stream. Glad that you're here to worship your God this morning. Now, we live life in a nation where other people are impacted by life and tragedy. And so this morning, before we move into our life talk, I want to pause and recognize what took place in El Paso uh, last night, yesterday, and then also Dayton, Ohio, where overall 29 people lost their lives to shootings here. We wake up in uh, a beautiful setting, a beautiful day. We uh, drive out of our homes, we come here and uh, not impact it personally, but we recognize that we have brothers and sisters within our nation who are distraught this morning, who their lives have changed forever. Uh, their day is not like our day, and so I want us to pause as a people and to go to the throne, the kingdom of God for them. The beauty of prayer is that like, we can't physically be there, but we can be there in prayer. We can call upon the one who is there, Jesus, right? And so let's bow as one people on behalf of the state of Texas and Ohio, those communities, those families. Father God, uh, we all would agree that we're tired of this news. It's too often, too common today. We recognize that it comes because we have walked out of relationship with you as a people, as a whole, and that people who are troubled, unfortunately, involve other people in their trouble and take innocent lives, and it stinks. But Lord, we pause as one people and we pray your comfort over those states, over those cities, those communities, over the families, the relatives, the friends of those impacted by the shootings. We pray for a comfort that only you can bring. We pray for a peace that the world can't provide, but you can. We pray for a level of some kind of answer that would give understanding But Lord, we pray that they would have hope in you, that they would lean into you, not just for a few days or a few Sundays, but for the rest of their lives, for eternity, that they would know you as Savior and Lord. And so, Lord God, what we can't do, we invite you to do. In your name, amen. Amen. Well, today we start a new series called Manufacturing, heavy on the man or woman, factoring, And the whole idea of this series over the month of August as we prepare to go into the fall is this idea of volunteering, this idea that God has designed us to give of ourselves to move forward his church. One of my favorite views in town is sitting at the high school in the football stadium And looking over, especially in the fall when the leaves are changing color, to look over the stadium and see the steeple of Cambridge Lutheran Church that rises over the landscape. And it's an incredible, beautiful picture, especially when you get towards the fourth quarter and you see the moon starting to come up over the trees. It's a beautiful sight. When you drive into most small cities or communities, 
what you see over the landscape are the steeples of the churches. One of the prettiest drive-ins is Lanesboro, Minnesota, where you're coming down the hill and you can see the steeples of the churches. What are those steeples designed to do? Well, they are designed to point people to a relationship with God. You know, ages ago, individuals believed that the higher that you could get, the more closer you could be with God. The reason for that was they took it out of Moses when he went up to Mount Horeb or Sinai to get the Ten Commandments and came down, or Jesus when he went up to Mount Tabor for the transfiguration. They were closer to God, and so people saw the steeples as if they were higher, we would be closer in relationship to God. Some individuals pointed to the steeple as it was to point people to the heavenlies, that God was calling us skyward to the heavens. Matter of fact, years ago, when time was a little more confusing, where they would say, well, we know what morning is, we know what night is, we maybe know what noon is, but in between that, where they were uncertain of time because they didn't have what we have now, time right on our phone or on our wrist, they would have church bells in those steeples that would send sound out across the city to tell people it was time for service to start. And each church would have their certain bell system to communicate to their people that it was time for church to start. When I moved to this community in 1992, you know, I was the youth pastor at First Baptist Church in town, and they have a steeple there, and they have a bell tower as well. And I remember I was doing this big youth gathering, and, and we were going crazy in the worship area and that, and I thought it'd be fun to play the bells out over the town, so I pushed a button on the sound system. And a few minutes later, the police showed up and sort of said, hey, time out, time out. I'm like, what, what? He says, hey, you're projecting this youth service all over the community. People are calling in and complaining. And I had pushed the wrong button that sent out what the service across the community. And that, so they shut us down that night. But the whole idea of the steeple is one main reason in reality. And that is to give a picture that God is present in this community and that God is inviting each one of us in relationship with him, into a relationship with him, that God longs for us to be in relationship with him. Proverbs 18.10 states, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous man or woman runs into it, and is safe. You know, this picture of the steeples is, hey, this is a place of hope. This is a place of safety. This is a place of identity of who you are. This is a place of forgiveness. You see, the establishment of this meeting place with God occurred years and years ago when God was bringing the nation of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. When they came out of slavery in Egypt, they were wandering in the wilderness. 
Moses met with God on Mount Sinai, and God gave him the plans for what was called the tabernacle, which was basically a big tent that they would pack up and set up wherever they went. And the word tabernacle in the Hebrew literally means residence or dwelling place. It was the place where God would dwell and that he would invite the people to meet with him in relationship. And so for 440 years, they utilized the tabernacle until finally they got into the promised land where Solomon then built the temple out of brick and mortar and the people met with God. So over the next few weeks, we are going to be looking at how God established his temple, the church among his people, by using his people. This is why this series is called Manufacturing, because God utilizes us, men, women, youth, children, to establish his church. God uses us to build his church, to live within his church and be the church in every community, to run the church. And so we are going to be looking at the Old Testament in 1 Kings chapters 2 through 8 in how God established and built the temple the first brick-and-mortar church, and how he desires to utilize us as the church. Now, the word manufacturing is this, the making of goods or wares by manual labor or by machinery, especially on a larger scale, commonly employs a man or a man plus a machine set up with division of labor in a large-scale production. And so this whole idea that it takes everybody when it comes to establishing and running God's vision for the church. Now, in 1 Kings, in the Old Testament, we see that when it comes to the temple, that God is established as the CEO, the chief executive officer over the building of the temple. We see today that regardless of what company it might be or manufacturing, making something, that there's always a CEO. There's always somebody on the top, a chief executive officer, who has authority over what needs to be done. And so when it comes to the church... God has the ultimate authority. So, number one, what is the grounds for God as the CEO over his church? Well, first of all, A, he is the chief executive originator. If we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, what does it say? In the beginning, God created, right? Over and over, it states, in the beginning, God created. He created. He created. He was the originator. He's the starter of the church. But B, he is the chief executive organizer as well. 
He places his people within the church to run the church, to establish the church, to grow the church. The Apostle Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6. He's talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. And so God is the organizer of the church, establishing within each of us gifts and talents to be utilized in running this church and putting it forth in every city and every community. And that's why on your seat or next to it, you have an I'm in card where on the back it gives all kinds of giftings or talents that you may have that you can utilize in serving others around you. But God has the grounds to be the CEO, not just because he is the originator or the organizer, but see, he is the chief executive, what? Occupier. Occupier. We go back to Genesis 1, 27. We are made in his image, like him. Everybody we run into in our communities are made in the image of God. But if you are a Christ follower in the room, then the Bible says that you are now occupied by his Holy Spirit who lives in you. We see in 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So that where you go, he goes. Where you go, he goes. He is always with you wherever you go. Our 15-year-old daughter left this morning at 8 o'clock to go up to Trout Lake Camp to serve for the next 12 days. And she was anxious about it. I mean, she had a hard time getting to bed. At 2.30 in the morning, she was standing next to my bed, tapping my shoulder. Dad, my stomach feels queasy. You know, and I could tell she was anxious. She was nervous about this big step going for 12 days serving. It's the longest she's ever been gone from home. But that night prior to going to bed, my wife Sherry and I took out 12 greeting cards and we wrote in one for each day for her to open so she could be encouraged. And in many of them, I wanted to remind her over and over and over again that you are not alone, waiting for you, that you can do it by his strength and to encourage her and uphold her in that way. And so what is the grounds for God to be the CEO over his church? Man, he's the originator. He's the organizer of it. But he is the occupier of it. He indwells it, right? He takes up residence in us. And we know ultimately, when we're talking the church, that it's just not about brick and mortar. It's about people. And I've said it before, so when people say, hey, where's your church located? You know, so, hey, it's in, you know, aisle three at Target, stocking. You know, right now, it's driving between here and La Crosse as a trucker. Oh, it's down at the third floor of the IDS Tower in accounting. That's the church. The church comes alive and is the church because we are here together. But just knowing 
the grounds for God as the CEO isn't enough. We need to know the goal of the CEO. We need to know God's goal for his church. And the number one goal is A, reconciliation. What's reconciliation? It's mending a relationship. It's bringing a relationship back in order. It's the restoration of relationships. And that's why Jesus went to the cross so that we could be made right with our heavenly Father. Be reconciled back into relationship with him. And then B, so that we could maintain relationship with him. You see, he just didn't want to forgive our sins and bring us back into relationship with him, but he desires for us to have relationship with him 24-7, daily. I mean, when, when you roll out of bed, Jesus moves to the edge of his seat. Oh, she's up. He's up. Oh, he's excited. Why? Relationship with him. That's his desire. And what takes place, see, when we're in relationship with him? We become radically changed. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man or woman is in Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. The more we spend time with Jesus, the more we become more like Jesus and less like ourselves. And that's God's goal as the chief executive officer, for us to come back into relationship with him, walk in relationship with him, and to become more like him, to reflect more of his image. And then lastly, D, then to be released, to release us out then to invite others and to establish more churches to invite others into relationship with him, reconciliation, relationship, radical change as well. In Acts 1.8, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my disciples or witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the utter ends of the world. For us, in Cambridge, then Isani, Bram, Isani County, East Central Minnesota, Minnesota, and to the utter ends of the world. That is the picture of God's goal for us to continue to establish and start new churches. God as CEO over his church desires us to continue to establish his church to the ends of the earth. That is one of his main goals. And it's all about relationship with him. This is why we serve, and this is why we invite you as well to serve and to use your gifts and talents because it's the CEO's design for our lives. And he knows that it will bring us pleasure as we live in accordance to what he desires for us. And so this is why September 8th, we will be launching our third campus up in Bram. And I want to share with you a short video of the staff leadership up there and their vision and passion for Bram. So let's watch. Hey, my name's Eric Unger. I'm gonna be the campus pastor in Bram. Hi, I'm Nicole Worth, and I will be the Hope Kids campus director in Bram. My name is Nick Johnson. I'll be the worship leader. 
my wife's name is Candace. We have three young girls, uh, Karina, Joanna, and Mercy. I've been married to Ben, who is one of the drummers for almost eight years. We have six kids, seven and under, and two sets of twins. I have two boys, uh, 16 and 13, and recently got engaged to Rachel. We've lived in the area for about five years. We moved up from Minneapolis and started uh, coming to New Hope when it was in the high school. So now we're getting to be a part of a church plant, excited about it. We've lived in Bram for about six years and we are excited because I love the fact that our kids will get to see other kids that they went to school with and be a part of something new and build something awesome. I've worked with Hope students in Bram for the past two years and just loved getting to know them and their hearts and just excited that I can continue to do that through the church plant in Bram. As I've prayed about moving into Bram, uh, the one thing that comes to mind is that there are lots of people that don't have a church home. And I'm excited to say that they could come be a part of New Hope if they would like. Uh, the scripture that I think of a lot of is in John chapter 14, where Jesus is telling his disciples, um, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And it's a place that, uh, that God has for you. And I think New Hope can be a place that uh, God is preparing for people that don't have a home. I have been praying for the families because there are a lot of young families in Bram and I would love to see tons of kids. I want to be flooded with kids and New Hope Bram because children are literally the future of our church. And uh, I pray that we make an amazing impact on New Hope Bram. Um, I, I, I'm, I think one thing that I'm most looking forward to is pouring Jesus into the lives of the people that in, in Bram. God is really going to use New Hope in that community. God as the CEO of all of life designed us to be in relationship with him and has designed his church, the people, to go out and be witnesses, ambassadors, and to continue to establish his church, not just brick and mortar, but the literal people out into the community to represent him. One of my favorite verses, because it gives such a great descriptor of how our life should be and what God desired for his church, the temple, comes out of Zechariah 8.23. It says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. In those days, 10 people from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one Jew by the hem of his robe and say, let us go with you because we have heard that God is with you. How cool is that? That people want to come and be in relationship with God because they see God in our lives at work and that they would want to grab the hem of our shirt and say, I want to go to New Hope Cambridge. I want to go to New Hope Isani. I want to go to New Hope Bram. I want to go to New Hope whatever next because of what I've seen God do. And that is the picture of the goal of our CEO, God, and what he desires for us. It's relationship 
forgiveness, love, mercy, knowing that we are his children, that he's for us, not against us. He's excited about our lives. He cares. And so that's why this morning we're going to partake of communion because Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Don't forget what has taken place on the cross. Don't forget what the goal was of my father. It was to reconcile you back into relationship with him, to bring you back into relationship with him, to take care of your sin that you couldn't take care of. So I did it on the cross. And so that's where Jesus says, when you take this bread and break it, recognize it's my body broken for you. When you drink this cup, remember it's my blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. And invite others into it. So in a moment, I'm going to invite you to come out to the right, to come up and partake. Just grab a wafer, dip it into the cup. It's safe for everybody. It's gluten-free, grape juice. But when you come up and partake, I want you to pause. And I want you to give thanks for what Jesus did on the cross for you in reconciling you back into a relationship with your Heavenly Father for this life and for eternity. And then I want you to just say, Jesus, use my gifts, use my talents to serve others so that they might be reconciled to you as well. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are not a God who is distant, but you are a God who is near and who has created us to be in relationship with you. And we celebrate this morning and we remember what you have done for us. Amen. Thank you. In your holy name. Amen. Come. Come.